1: Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace Podcast, um, a place where you can experience a grace that heals. Yeah. Right, Joel. I'm Lynn Wilder,
2: and I'm Joel Grote. And today we have very special guests with us for the podcast. And I'm going to let Lynn intro them because she has a kind of close connection oh to the two of them. <laughs> I
1: know these two fairly well, but I'm I'm kind of excited too to hear what they have to say today. So we have with us Joseph Warren with Adams Road Ministry and his yeah. beautiful wife, Katie Warren. Katie's happens to be Mike and Mike's daughter, mm-hmm. so
2: So yeah. it's all in the family today, so <laughs> yeah. it'll be fun. It will be. <laughs> so, so what we're doing guys is we're just um, wanting to let people hear your story. Um, it's all about grace, it's all about God's grace, and mm-hmm. how grace moves us and grace has moved people out of performance-based religious groups and into an intimate relationship with Jesus that really changes everything. Everything. So I'm not sure which one of you wants to go first. Maybe I'll start with you, Joe. Uh, okay. Just to take the pressure off Katie. <laughs> <laughs> and so just sure. kind of tell us a little bit your your spiritual religious background history in a nutshell. And we'll kind of go from there.
3: Okay. Uh, well, yeah, my name is Joseph Warren. So I grew up in Utah and um, And do I am I looking here or you look at us? Okay, yeah. okay, cool. So uh, growing up in Utah and uh, just north of Salt Lake, so everything was Mormon and um, Like kind of in a little Mormon bubble um, in Kaysville, uh, okay. Utah and so yep. anyway, um And when I turned 19, then I went on my mission and I was sent to Orlando, Florida, and that's where I met Katie's older brother and Lynn's um, son Micah. Okay. And so he and I were missionaries, uh, never never served as companions, but we were always serving near each other throughout the two-year mission. Um, When he had his life-changing thing happen where he got challenged by a Baptist minister to read the Bible like a child he was impacted by that and he gave that challenge to many others including me and so i started reading the bible while i was a missionary uh, for the mormon church and okay and then so were you there began. at his
2: like exit
3: when he, he like was. gave
2: his testimony and yes. shared it okay wow i would have <laughs> yes. loved to have been that had to been it, it amazing, was amazing <laughs> kind of unnerving and yes. everything yeah. yeah
3: definitely i uh I was just a little behind the process of him, but I was going through that same process. So when I saw him stand up and witness of Jesus like that, I wanted to be able to do the same thing. And uh, like, in fact, like I tried, I even got up like and tried to share my testimony and, and tried to just say Jesus. But I didn't have the Holy Spirit in me. I hadn't been reborn and not have that boldness that he had and i didn't understand why i couldn't do what he did but i got all wow. afraid and started witnessing of joseph smith as well too and and um and realized it was it was um it was a pivotal part in my testimony because i realized i didn't have what he had and wow. i okay. wanted to have that so uh, so then, the last week of your mission, you get to go to Disney World, and... Oh, that's, that's fun! Yeah, All that fun. was really cool. Well, not if you're in Japan. I was going to say, that never different. happened in the mission in Grand Rapids, so... Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. We, you know. we have that, that special thing, just because we're in Orlando and stuff, and uh, but only if a member takes you, and so I actually, at this point, Micah had been kicked off of his mission and everything, but... He was still technically a member of the mormon church so i had him take me to disney world and while we were standing in line for space mountain um i remember turning to him and asking how do i have what you have and he's like well it's a personal relationship with jesus and the only way to get it is to just keep reading the bible like you have been and um and so that that was the the rest of my journey as a missionary i get home from a mission um, back to utah And then I realized that I just, I want Jesus more than anything and so um, I started to look at the relationships that I had there and um, anyway just, I moved back here to Florida about two weeks after my mission because I knew that God was calling me um, to be a part of the ministry that Micah had started to form with with others and that was it and I I lost all the relationships. but it was for the cost of Jesus. And like you guys have probably been talking about, that grace makes it worth it. That yeah. that no matter what you lose, it's always worth it because you gain Jesus. Okay, so um, the big question,
2: I'm sure that people are like, so when and how does Katie come into the picture? Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, so, re- so rewind back to the mission. Um, when Micah and I, we're missionaries and we're hanging out and stuff. I came to his apartment one time and I saw a picture of Katie like on his desk, and I'm like, "Hey, man, like, is that who's that?" You know, and he's like, "Well, that's my little sister." I'm like, "Hey," oh, you know, okay. like, can I like write her a letter or something? And he's like, "No." <laughs> I'm like, "Snap." So, so a good protective older brother. Yes, yeah, so he was. <laughs> he was a protective older brother, and it wasn't until. Uh, after the mission um it was about six months after that it was like christmas time actually and katie came uh out to visit uh micah and her older brother matt that's also in outage yep. road and um and then when we met i i knew i knew that she was the one for me but but um i didn't want to push it you know because like in mormonism a lot of like a lot of people will be like hey like God's giving me this revelation right. I'm supposed oh, yeah. to be your husband yeah. so I was like yeah I'm not gonna do that am <laughs> not gonna so, drop the revelation uh, <laughs> <trunk> <laughs> yeah everyone's no like, no everyone's like you're
0: gonna scare her away just be cool man okay. <laughs> yeah
3: and so yeah so we just so we just uh exchanged information I mean Facebook wasn't even invented at the time I think right. I think we had MySpace or something like that but we just started texting and calling and through the months following um, I think, I think I got her number then, but we didn't actually start talking or texting until like March and if I remember right, um, something like that. And um, just conversations. She had just become a Christian at that point. And so we were both these brand new Christians and we were just, our phone conversations was just uh, what we were learning in the Bible, what God had done yeah. in our lives and fa- how we were falling in love with Jesus and And then months later, all these hours of conversation of that, we realized that we had feelings for each other. And so she came out after she graduated high school and we got engaged shortly after and then married very shortly after that, so. Wow. And that was
0: 11 years ago.
3: Yeah, we've been married 11 years. (laughs) That's Mm
2: -hmm. incredible. (laughs) So Katie, Mm -hmm. where are you at the point when, so, where does your story of coming to christ fit in with like the timeline with micah and matt and joe so like when you know micah comes off his mission Mm -hmm. and then matt comes out where are you at that point in your spiritual journey what's happening with you
0: yeah so um so my my parents were converts so i was born in you know into the mormon church you know raised in indiana moved to utah when my mom accepted the the job at brigham young university so it was basically um you know being in that that highly mormon populated culture um and then lone peak high school so when i was basically junior senior year of high school was when um I really started to read the Bible and, um, you know, question the Mormon faith and stuff like that. So as far as the timeline, this was all actually while a lot of this started while Micah was still on his mission. Okay. Because um, for about a year, he was able to um, still be a missionary, but he was starting to have Christian fruits, you know, like he was starting to... Um, focus more on loving people, focus more on the Bible, focus more on Jesus, on the cross, on grace. Yeah. And it's like, I could just see a difference and I could hear a difference in in the letters and emails that he oh started my. sending home to us. Like, he didn't sound like a good Mormon missionary <laughs> boy. He started yeah. to sound like Paul or Peter or like you know those biblical apostles that preach grace and the cross and yeah you know
2: so was that at all disconcerting to you or I mean where were you with you know your LDS faith I mean it almost sounds like he starts and it kind of resonates with you
0: it does and honestly I think with every member of my family we could all say in a sense that because this was Micah like, you have you have to know Micah, and we, we knew him, and we knew his heart for Mormonism. And then to see this dramatic change in him, like, I just had such a deep love and a bond and a trust already for him. And I think okay. God used that in a sense of, like, for some reason, because this was Micah, my heart wasn't turned against what he was yeah. saying and the change that was happening like i just i trusted it enough that my heart was open to okay well maybe he's right like maybe what we've been taught our entire life maybe that is a lie like maybe yeah. i should read the bible
2: <laughs> that and that's a really big turning point. In fact, Lynn, wouldn't you say that's almost one of the key turning points for anybody who's in a performance based religion to say, to let that question ring through their head wow, what if I am wrong? What if there is truth that's different out there? Um, because I'm guessing you had to come to that same point. I mean, you're a faithful. <laughs> Are you a I, professor? I mean, this is yeah. your whole life. You're you're living it to the best of your ability
1: Although I had a pretty heavy shelf over the years and I thoroughly trusted Micah I didn't get that this was all going to where it was going to lead I don't okay. think yeah. I just couldn't wrap my head around what he was trying to convey to me and literally until he challenged me begged me to read the word and I got into the word where my eyes opened, right? I always loved him and trusted him there was never a doubt about that and I knew something profound had happened to him because who gets kicked off their Mormon mission when two years earlier that was all you ever wanted to do with right. your life, right? Right.
2: And you I mean you knew Micah's heart for Mormonism. So you knew that he was not he was not a wishy washy or half hearted. He was all in all from the beginning. In. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, I guess I'm um, Joe and I'd like to hear yeah. from you. So at what point do you make that sometimes referred to it as the double transfer, the transaction, where you realize, well, all I've got to add to the equation is my own sin, my own unworthiness, and I, I need to have salvation as a gift. I need grace as a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, what brought you to that point? Was there anything specific? Any particular scripture? Anything that anybody said? Because um, I don't believe in formulaic conversions. Um, In fact, the older I get and the more I deal with a wide range of people, the more uncomfortable I get with people who say, well, people just have to go through this step, this step, this step, and, you know, the four spiritual laws or whatever. It's like, no way, man, let the Word go in and do its work. Mm -hmm. And that was happening. But I also know everybody kind of reaches that point of conversion where it's like, wow, okay, I have to make a choice toward Jesus. And I have to let Jesus be enough. He has to be everything. Um, yeah, can you can you walk people through? Yeah, because I know we have Mormons in transition that go, "Wow, I'm I'm kind of there, but I don't feel like I've turned a corner. I still feel like something may be missing."
3: Yeah, um, I mean it's hard because I think it's such a transition. It's such a like a, like a process, you know. And it and right it, like f- like for me, like I still can't can't say there was one day where I suddenly just. You know a light turned on and i, I suddenly just ac- accepted jesus all i know is that sometime after my mission and sometime before october 29th when i got rebaptized because i knew when i got rebaptized i knew i was doing it as a believer sometime in there but i do know there was one thing that happened on my mission um it was right after micah got kicked off and then uh let's see in, in inside his testimony. He asked the question that became our song, I Would Die For You, Mm -hmm. um, where he had all of us ask ourselves, like, don't you think that while Jesus was on the cross that he saw your face? And um, then I wrote that down in my journal, though I didn't understand what it meant. Um, Just a few days after that, Micah got kicked off his mission. He calls me in my missionary apartment, and he's like, "Um, hey, you know, you've got to write a song about this. And I'm like, I don't. I don't know what it means. I don't know how to do Wait, that. Wait, so did
2: you guys already have a musical connection even um, like,
3: before or during your mission? I mean, kind of. I mean, like, I, I had borrowed a member's guitar, um, because we were allowed to do that. We weren't allowed to bring our own, but we could borrow somebody's. And I was starting to write, like, songs, but they were just, I don't know, they were just garbage or whatever. <laughs> like, they, were, they weren't very good. It was just me, you know. Right. Um, but, uh... But you like, do that. You sit down with your guitar, you start playing something, throwing some lyrics, you just kind of make it up as you go, and, yeah. uh, and it's like, oh, okay, well, that was all right for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and, uh, and anybody that writes songs, they understand that not everything's golden when it comes out. Yeah. Okay, but um, but this song is like, um, I started writing, and it was, it came so fast. It was literally like maybe ten minutes or something, and the whole almost the entire song was written, and it was so fast and so fluid that I knew that it was. God because some yeah. of the lyrics were like against my my doctrinal beliefs and I was like "Whoa, wait, hold on a sec <laughs> like you can't say that Jesus is our father because in the, in the song it's Jesus speaking and he says like he calls us my child and uh, yeah. I'm like no hold on a sec like he's not he's not our father like this doesn't make sense he's and um and I just I was very compelled to leave it that way and so all of that happened and then I was and then I was called, uh, my companion at the time, he was going to go to like a ceiling that, uh, for a family that he had baptized. And so we were going to go in the temple. And so I was like, okay, you know, I'm having a lot of like changes happen. I'm going to see, I'm like, God, I'm going to go into the temple and I'm mm-hmm. going gonna, gonna to see a ceiling and this is my first time ever. And, and you need to like, I mean, this, this is, this is big. So I'm, I'm waiting for you to show me, show yourself to me if you're there. And, um, and I remember I, I had the impression from the Holy Spirit saying like, just, just go and you see what you're going to see. But this is the last time you're going to see it. And I was like, what this is, wow. this is messed up. <laughs> How is that even possible? But we go to the ceiling and like, I looked around and I, I just, it felt so void. If it, it was so odd because I didn't expect it to be like that right. um, I get back from that and then I call Micah and I'm like dude this just happened and he uh, he tells me to read the book of Hebrews and I start to do that and that's where I just saw everything just start to crumble away because I saw that Jesus fulfilled every need for like a physical temple physical prophet like high priest and right. not just the animal sacrifice that I believed Jesus fulfilled but you know every aspect, and that's when I realized that my testimony was based on these uh, principles of this religion and not on Jesus, and that shook me. And so I remember I went into my room and I had my guitar and I was trying to write something, and but I just envisioned myself suddenly falling, and I and I saw like it was like I was just like I was holding on to something, and then it just falls, crumbles away, and I'm just in free fall and i'm freaking out and i'm crying out to god i remember i quoted like Al- alma the younger from the book of mormon like you know cuz it was the only thing i knew but right. but come to find out it was like stolen from paul's prayer of right, wretched yes. man that i am mm-hmm. but it was it was like you know oh jesus have mercy on me um and when i did that it was kind of like i envisioned myself i suddenly stopped falling and i and I was placed on a rock that I knew was Jesus, and I felt like that was a, a turning point for me because I realized that was my first um, connection to grace, and that I realized that it wasn't just it wasn't just all the sins that I'd ever done, but that Jesus would actually cover every sin that I will, will ever do. That it's a total. Uh, complete covering of all my sin including future sin which was mind boggling for me and so I I, I can't say that I was a born again Christian then because but that was definitely a very big turning point in my life that was all triggered from Micah's testimony and then reading the book of Hebrews see and that is so cool and I guess
2: the one thing I'd say about all this is and this is as much to people who are listening as to you guys because you know this but We need to remember that the work of the Spirit Jesus compared to a wind that blows. And he says to Nicodemus, the Spirit blows where it wills. And you don't know where it's coming from, you don't know where it's going, but you feel and you know its effects, and it's real. And I think sometimes within traditional historic Christianity, especially people like me who have been raised in it, we want to take away that freedom of the Spirit to blow and move how it wills. And what I love about your testimony is... This is a work of the Spirit in your life. I and mean, if you were to ask me, I would say, if you had have died the next day after that whole experience of knowing you were on the rock, I would have said, yeah, you were born again. God had already done a work of regeneration in your heart. Now, how much of that you recognized or knew, but there's already evidence there. And fortunately, that's not my call to make, and you didn't die the next day. <laughs> so, we don't, but all I'm saying is... Yeah. This is so good, and it's good, I think, for people in performance-based religion who might be listening to us, who if they're feeling that pressure to convert Mm -hmm. or to have a conversion experience, that happens. And if it happens, I think that's great for people. Because some people write in their Bible, hey, on this day, at this time, this is when. But for other people, it's a process of being washed by the water of the Word and being brought into relationship with Mm -hmm. Christ all and we need to be really right, mm-hmm. and we need to be really careful what we prescribe to people or how we tell them that needs to happen. Because yeah. I don't, I don't see that as being our prerogative in Scripture. So, um, I, I love, I love this. Mm-hmm. Um, Katie, I wanna, I wanna jump back to you. Mm-hmm. So, at what point? At what point do you start looking at Joe and go, oh, hey, he's more than just a friend of Micah? Um, and where, and kind of bring both kind of that personal relationship with him and your relationship with Jesus. Walk us through those steps.
0: Yeah, well, for me and my personal story, it, it really was kind of hand in hand. And like the fact that we had physical distance between us, I think was a really positive thing for our relationship because we had that, like he said, those intimate, um, conversations, phone calls, even emails, like we huge. We would just like email <laughs> each other back and forth, but our focus was completely centered on God because I was at, you know, this, this, crossroads this limbo the transitional period like whatever people call it are you it. still like
2: a senior in high school yeah this okay. yeah
0: um and so i found um friendship in joseph and i found that um that fellowship that you need you know yes, when you absolutely. um you're starting to maybe rethink your whole life, pretty much. <laughs> and I needed someone who had already been through that to be able to kind of hold my hand through that process. And not that it wasn't, you know, that I didn't have Jesus or I couldn't have done it on my own or through the Spirit or just reading the Bible, but, you know, to have someone that you can reconcile scriptures with, to yep. have someone that you can... Um, you know be honest with ask questions to like right. because i didn't always know where my parents were like we we all went through this <laughs> process together but at the same time on that road we were sometimes i was 10 steps behind and they were 10 steps forward or vice no. versa no like it it right. you didn't always know where each other were right. and yeah. it's your own walk with god and that's I mean, that's right. part of it.
2: And, and this is something that Lynn and I keep saying. This amazing God is a personal God and he shows up personally and individually with what we need. And mm-hmm. I think God knew that for your journey, you needed Joe. You needed yeah. someone who could help walk you through it bring some stability bring some order
1: um,
2: and be a safe place because it's true sometimes you can't be too close and I'll tell this to people say how do I witness to my daughter how do I witness to my son what do I do Mm -hmm. do you know what you may not be the person to do that you may be too close what's important is you preserve that relationship you make sure that that relational bond is strong and you let God take care of their heart and And I,
0: I needed to be grounded like I have the personality I have just the ambition I needed, like without the Mormon church and their rules, because I I was faithful to the Mormon church and I was faithful to all their rules and, but to be completely free from that, like, and, you know, not have Jesus yet, like I needed to be grounded somehow or else I would have just probably
1: found myself in the world trying to find, you know, something right. to fill that void. Yeah. Believe it or not, we're at the end of a podcast.
2: Oh my heart. I know. Uh, <laughs> All right, well, yes, so guessed. will you guys do part two? <laughs> will you guys do part two? Sure. Can we, I'd love to continue this conversation because I feel like there's so much more. God has brought I me, mean, this is just, <laughs> you guys aren't even married yet and you've got 11 years of history. <laughs> I mean, we're not gonna ask you to recount your life. But. Hey people, thanks for being with us. Another great podcast episode. Join us next time for the rest of Joe and Katie's story, yeah. and may you be blessed.
1: Grace Lynn, and final peace word. to you. We're happy to hear from you at unveilinggracepodcast.com. God bless. Thank you
0: for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. Join us next time for another conversation devoted to helping your life and relationships flourish. As always, you can find show notes, program transcripts, And leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. For a limited time, we are offering the Wilder's book, Seven Reasons We Left Mormonism, for a donation of any amount. Go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free book button to request yours. We greatly appreciate your support for the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.